0: Hello, and welcome to the Empower Therapy & Coaching podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah, co-host with my husband, Lee. Together, we are partners in life, love, and business. Each show, we will share insights and host interviews on relationships, therapy, emotional coaching, addiction, self-actualization, and personal growth. So settle in and enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Lee Povey from Empower Therapy & Coaching. And today I wanted to touch on my story and my why, how I've come to this point where acts of service are so important to me and this role of coaching and helping others is where I've kind of settled in life. So I've had a lifelong journey of discovery about myself, about what makes me tick, about how I work, and the curiosity that I have about how others work and and what makes them think and act and behave the way they do. And to begin with, I really struggled with that. I was trying to think my way around it and I didn't really have the tool set to do that. And I didn't have the skills to kind of access the feelings I needed to understand um, some of the wounds and trauma, and difficulty that people were dealing with that kind of led to their behaviours. So I would get hurt by their behaviors or I'd get affected by their behaviors. And I couldn't tell where my stuff started and stopped and where their stuff started and stopped. So I started this journey of self-discovery. And and really, it kind of goes back to my mid-20s where a guy that I was working with at the time, I mean, I I knew things weren't quite right. I, I was working with this guy and he said, hey, I think you'd really benefit from this book. And the book was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And it's my most gifted book myself now because it just had such a pivotal role and change in the way that I saw the world and and the way that I wanted to behave as a human being. And I remember getting this book from uh, David. Uh, Thank you, David, if you're seeing this. And when I got this book, I think it probably took me six months before I could pick this book up and, and actually read it and absorb it. You know, firstly, I'm a guy, I do, you know, I do action sports, I'm tough, I used to box, I do track cycling, I do sprinting, which is quite a kind of fast and and kind of dangerous sport. And I didn't think I felt fear. So the title didn't quite resonate with me. Uh, I knew I was uncomfortable. I knew I wasn't happy and I knew I wasn't fulfilled, but I couldn't quite figure out why and what was going on. So eventually I got to this point one night and I'm like sitting at home, feeling lonely, feeling sad without really knowing what those feelings were. I just felt uncomfortable. And I picked this book up and I started reading this book. And without a doubt, this book changed my life. And a lot of it was about, and, and this is something I'd always felt, but not been able to, properly conceptualize was the taking responsibility and how the world is happening either by me, I'm in control of what's happening in my life, how I respond to things, how the world appears around me, or the world is happening to me and I'm a victim. And I'm particularly uncomfortable being a victim. That's a very difficult situation for me. And uh, we'll touch on it in a moment when we get to vulnerability and how it's been difficult for me to recognize my own vulnerability. So, this book kind of really helped me understand that I get choices in life. I, ch- I get to choose what I feel at any particular moment. I get to choose how I respond to those feelings I'm having. I get to choose how I respond to how other people around me are behaving. And this was a really powerful moment for me in life. So, I could move from this victimhood, you know, I don't like my boss the people I'm working with are are, are difficult and they're narcissistic and it's all their fault. Moving away from this to realizing what the wound might be that they're carrying, why might they be behaving like this and having more compassion for that. And that bit of compassion really made it easier to relate to them and what they might be going through. And at the same time, uh, one of my best friends, Chris, uh, his girlfriend at the time said to me, that she believed everybody is doing the best they can with what they have. And again, that was a powerful thing for me to hear because it made me realize that on the whole, people aren't deliberately trying to be difficult. They're not trying to make your life worse. They're not trying to make your day worse. They're just trying to cope the best they can with the tools that they have. And that tool set might be limited or it might be damaged. And if we can find the compassion to understand that, again, it's much easier to understand where these people are coming from. So I kind of started this journey. At the time I was working as a real estate agent and I realized that that just wasn't a healthy career for me, although I was very good at it because people trusted me. I was smart, I could communicate well. There was something very unfulfilling about that role for me, it just didn't feel right. And I'm not particularly motivated by money and that role is very money focused and you're often negotiating with people about sums of money and you know, they're negotiating about curtains and it just felt very uncomfortable for me. So I moved from that role to be a cycling coach which immediately felt much more comfortable. It's was much more in my wheelhouse of what I wanted to be doing. It's more a, a, an act of service than real estate, which is much more cutthroat and which is very self-focused. Uh, and a lot of the people you're working with can be quite narcissistic and it's about image and it's about, you know, stuff. And I was starting to move away from being interested in stuff and more into experiences and, and how I showed up in the world. So at this point, I started getting personal therapy as well. Uh, James Clifton, guy in Brighton, who I highly recommend to anybody local there, uh, excellent therapist, and, and now I, you know, I've been working with him you know, most of my adult life. And again, this really changed the way I saw the world. Um, it was difficult for me at first, so I got recommended to therapy by a guy called Rex Brangwyn, who's an osteopath here in America, we would call it a chiropractor, operating in Brighton. And I was having a lot of problem with my back. And I went and saw him and he said, Lee, you know, this isn't really about your back. This is about your mind and the tension and the stress that you're carrying around the whole time. And again, you know, being a kind of macho guy, I was like, yeah, whatever, I I don't believe you. And again, I had quite a lot of initial resistance to what he was saying. And I went back and saw him a few more times and he kind of took me to one side and said, look Lee, I don't know how else to say this to you. You need some help. Don't see this as weakness. See this as you see you know, training and coaching because I was an athlete at that time. Like, see this how you see training and coaching. This is just more coaching, and this is coaching for your mind so that you can find better ways of existing in the world. And something clicked there. I was like, okay, I can, I can reframe it and see it in that way. It's, it's just coaching. I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. My, my you know, fragile ego didn't have to be offended. And I could look at it and go, "Yes, this is just going to be some more coaching for me to be more successful and more efficient." So I went and saw this guy, and you know, as therapy is, you know, the first few sessions we're talking about family relationships, and I've had a particularly difficult relationship with my father. And I think you know, second or third session, James is like, "Okay, so you know, a lot of our work to begin with is going to be about your relationship with your father," and I I very clearly remember saying to James no, that's rubbish, you know, I haven't really had a relationship with him since I've been 14, I don't really care about him, he doesn't influence the way I think, and and I I remember James just kind of looking at me, nodding with a little smile on his face, kind of like, okay, we'll see, and then six months later, me saying, hey James, you know, this is all about my father, isn't it, and and, you know, a big smile on his face of like, you know, it takes your time, and that for me is, is you know, what a good therapist does. They don't force you to do your work. They don't force you to go somewhere you're not quite ready to go to. He gave me the kind of the pathway to explore these things and then come to the realizations I needed to, kind of guided in this safe environment um, with you know, useful feedback and certainly a lot of challenging. We definitely had some very challenging conversations. And again, this has kind of led more to me wanting to understand people more, to me becoming more compassionate, to me really working on my empathy. So instead of me looking at somebody else and going, oh, they're broken. Why do they behave like that? I could look at them and I could go, ah, I understand where you're coming from. I can come and stand next to you. I can feel what you're going through and we can go through this together. And this is what's leading me to this life of coaching. So then, you know, I started my own cycle coaching business, uh, which I still run to this day, and and I absolutely love, you know, there's something really powerful to me about helping somebody be better at something that they love. It's such a a strong connection between you and the athlete. Um, You know, we work in these sometimes incredibly high-pressure environments. I work as as a track sprint cycling coach. You know, our races range from. 17 seconds to just over a minute. So they're, they're incredibly um, high pressure situations where the athletes and myself have to think very quickly and make decisions very quickly, which can make the difference between them winning and losing or you know, qualifying for competition and not qualifying. And, and there's some real growth when you are put in that situation, like you have to adapt. You have to really, really adapt. And what I started to realize is, you know, I wasn't as good a communicator as I thought I was, and, and I wasn't as empathetic as I thought I was. And so then I had to do more skill work, and part of that was I joined a men's group. Again, something recommended to me by James and, and Rex, who originally recommended James to me, was in this group, and, and I didn't actually join that one. I joined another group that was a splinter off from their group. And what a powerful thing it was to to sit in this circle of men all going through similar stuff, you know, relationship issues, battles with depression, battles of you know being in careers that they didn't really want to be in but feeling like they had to be in them. And we're sharing this stuff, we're sharing our successes and we're sharing our failures. And there was this container that we knew whatever was said, it stayed in the group. And I just learned so much in that environment. There was one thing missing from for me though and and it was the the group didn't really challenge me enough so I, i was still seeking that challenge i needed to be seen a little bit more and and i tended to be the one in the group that was in charge and facilitating things and i needed to be seen a bit more so then i've gone on and i've done some more therapy and you know been with some different therapists and i've read a bunch more books i mean i've read books that have stayed with me would be the simon siniac leaders eat last i really love simon's work i think he's very insightful uh, i love his podcast he just started during a pandemic which is a little bit of optimism i highly recommend that um, other books that have really stayed with me is the conscious leadership groups work uh, led by jim Dethmer. If you listen to his podcast with Tim Ferriss and the Knowledge podcast one with Shane Parrish, absolutely excellent. That That is how I want to show up in the world. It's just so curious and thoughtful and kind and helpful to people so that's my journey you know this is my why why am i a coach why do i now work in the emotional coaching sphere where i lead men's groups where i lead uh, individual men's coaching where i do executive and team coaching where we also offer athlete mentoring and coaching for coaches you know an area That's so kind of underserved is this area of coaches need coaches too. You know, they need support, they need feedback. The coach is the leader of the team, the the guy in, you know, the CEO in the office, the leader of the teams in the office. Often these people don't get much feedback and it can be pretty lonely and difficult at the top. So I wanna serve these people. And my why for doing this is I can see that if I can help them understand themselves better, communicate better, understand how to really listen to people rather than be having conversations just to win the conversation, how we can all be better. You know, every single, every single leader that I help become a better leader, their effect is on many people, and then those people go home, and those people are gonna be better partners, they're gonna be better fathers and and wives, they're gonna be better mothers, they're gonna be better sisters and brothers and friends and colleagues. So my why is about how we can create a better world one person at a time by being kind, by uh, developing our communication skills. One of the huge frustrations for me in life Is that we don't put enough priority on our communication skills. Yet we spend all our time communicating with people, you know, verbally, email, text physically, by our bodies, just by how we stand when somebody is talking to us, how we listen. Do we look at them? Do we look away? Are we asking questions? Are we repeating what we've said to them so that we're showing we're actively listening and we really understand, and giving them the opportunity to go, Ah, no, I think you've misunderstood what I tried to say there or what I meant to say there. You know, really powerful ways of operating in the world. So this is my why is, I believe I'm called to this service of of using the skill set that I developed over all of these years of going through these issues and these problems and these challenges myself where I've had to upskill myself and now being able to share that journey with others and say, hey, I can stand by your side. I know where you've been, I've been there, I've seen this myself, I've been through this myself and offering ways of using the collective knowledge. So when we do our Mens groups, it's not just me as a facilitator of the group or Ryan as a facilitator of the group. It's all the men in the group have some magic and power that they can add to it too. And when I work with you as an executive coach or we're leading the team, again, I don't come in and tell you how to do things. I come in and I give you the skill sets and I help you learn the skill sets and I empower you to you to do what you already know inside but are struggling to communicate. And I empower and I help you develop those skill sets so you can just become a much more effective leader, communicator, motivator, mentor. Those things are gonna make a difference. So, so that's my why it's like, how can I make a difference? How can I make a difference for you? How can I make a difference for my wife? How can I make a difference for my friends? How can I show up in the world and be of service? And it's a lifelong journey for me, as I mentioned earlier. You know, I, I had a, a difficult relationship with my father. My father was very narcissistic, very selfish, and I knew I didn't want to be like him. But when you're young, you know, you, you, your father is this embodiment of what a man is meant to be. So you look at how they behave and you think, that's how men behave, that's how I should be. And then I've had to spend these years unlearning those behaviors and now being the man that I want to be. And I still get it wrong at times. You know, This isn't easy work and this journey won't suddenly stop and I'll put my hand up and say, hey, I'm there, I've achieved it, I'm the perfect man. No such thing exists. The joy for me is in this continual dance and play that I have with others, with myself, where I can be in a situation, I can think about that situation afterwards and I can go, hey, could I have done that differently? What would be the effect on others if I could have done that differently? And that's where I am now. So I've created Empower Therapy and Coaching that I run with my wife, Sarah. And our goal at Empower Therapy and Coaching is, you know, I want to do, I do men's groups. I want to empower men just to leave more purposeful, more connective, more thoughtful, and especially more joyous lives with everybody that they meet. You know, the world needs this. There's parts of this world that are incredibly divided right now. And instead of us trying to have these arguments about so many things that actually don't matter, let's just be kind to each other. Let's find ways to connect. Let's find ways to share experiences so that we can realise that we're not really as different as we think we are. And, and many of the things that I like, somebody who might be politically different from me, likes too. And let's find that common ground and come together and let's just... more joy and more play in the world so you know that's my why that's that's what created me that's why i want to do this work that's why i've also created maximize your potential with ryan owens Uh, i coached ryan from when he was 17 years old i think 16 years old Uh, and he was broken i mean He had knee issues, so he could barely ride a bike. We started with him only being able to ride a bike 15 minutes at a time, and he's a track sprinter. He wasn't able to do any track sprinting or any gym work. And then we built him up over time, built his confidence back up, his body back up to the point he joined the GB team, and I then stopped being his coach. He now rides for the GB team. He is a full-time professional athlete, yet we've kept him very, very close contact. I still emotionally mentor him. And we've both discussed how important that role has been for his emotional health. And it's why part of Maximize Your Potential is gonna be offering uh, athlete mentoring. We, We realize this is so important for athletes to have this outlet that is different from their coach, that is different from their program manager, that is different from the teammates. You know, as athletes, you have to be very careful about what you share. You're always being judged. You know, your coach is looking at you. Are you weak? Are you fragile? Can I trust you? Uh, You know, you might have a sports psychologist and the job of that sports psychologist is to help you perform at your best at events. But they also have a a role in the team. You know, they they have the feedback to the coach where you're at and give the coach advice about whether you should be picked for events or not. So it's important to have somebody that's outside that bubble, someone that you can speak to, somebody that you can rely on that's going to keep your you're self-safe emotionally, you're gonna keep those, the, the stuff that you share with them private and it doesn't affect your day job. You can come and share yourself, you can be honest, and then you can go back and be a better version of yourself in your day job, in your athletic career. And that's exactly the same with uh, the mentoring for executives, for the team leadership. You know, I hold this place where you come and share your stuff with me. We get that sorted out between us. I give you the tools. I help you with the tools for you to go back and then lead how you want to lead. Instead of leading from anger or leading from frustration or leading from this kind of vision that we've been told that men must be. You know, if you look now, our media tells us that our our kind of mentors should be athletes and Instagram stars and actors. And, you know, some of these people are incredibly powerful, emotionally switched on people, and some just aren't. And they behave poorly. And then they themselves are put into situations of, of incredible pressure that sometimes they, they can't deal with. They don't have the skill set to deal with. And I really want to get back to this place where we can have, you know, Experienced people mentoring younger people, helping them, helping them through their life, sharing that wisdom, sharing that journey with them, sharing the joy of that journey with them so that we can all lead these more fruitful, joyous, purposeful lives where I can say to you, you know, what's your why? Why are you doing this? And the answer isn't, oh, because I need the money or because if I don't, you know, I'm gonna lose my house or I don't know why, I'm just doing it because somebody told me I should. You can say to me, hey, this is my why, this is what motivates me, this is what gets me out of bed every day. And you know your purpose in life. You know, I've, I'm 47, as I'm recording this video, I've had many different careers. Uh, I started doing handyman jobs, I worked in a casino as a car valet parking cars, I worked in real estate, I worked for a big company for five years and had my own business for six years. I did some property development. Then I was a cycling coach and then I became a national team cycling coach. And now I'm working in emotional coaching, motivation, empowerment, team building. All of those soft skills that we take kind of for granted almost. We don't put enough effort into learning them Yet studies will show us that actually the most successful people are often those that have the most knowledge and grasp and expertise in their soft skills. Soft skills, so your communication skills, your empathy, your understanding, Actually are a better marker of where you 're going to go in life and how successful you 're going to be than the college course you took or your SAT scores so this is really this growth area where we 're realizing that we can work on this stuff and this is just as trainable you know your ability to communicate with somebody, your ability to appear charismatic all of these things are trainable, just the same as an athlete can go to the gym and train and lift weights and get bigger and build more muscles, get stronger, or go for longer, harder rides and get more stamina. You know, we can all learn to be more emotionally adept, leading to more healthiness, leading to us feeling our emotions. You know, especially as men, as men we're told we shouldn't feel our emotions. You know, I think back to some of the things I've been told as a child. If I cried, I was told, you know, shut up or I'll give you something to cry about. So immediately, you know, my crying, my sadness or my fear or even my joy, you know, children cry for joy, adults cry for joy whatever was making me cry at that time was minimized and told it wasn't important. And feelings are vital. Feelings are just data and information. Like when we touch a surface and it's hot, that's data for our body. But when we feel fear, it's the same thing. Our body is saying, hey, there's something we need to take note of here. And in this world that's changing so rapidly, you know, we can be triggered for fear by things that actually aren't really a threat to us anymore. And we need to train ourselves ourselves out of it. And if we don't, this is when you find yourself kind of reacting or overreacting to a situation. You know, when you walk away from it and you kind of think afterwards, wow, why was I so angry then? Or why did I react, you know, like so much? Why did I get so triggered in that situation? And it's because our animal brain, our kind of instinctive reactions can't cope in the modern world you know the, the amount of information that we have coming to us from social media from news media from around us you know when you're driving a car we haven't evolved to deal with that really fully yet so we have to learn these new sets. these these aren't things that are kind of physiology and psychology is naturally evolved to deal with quite in the right way yet. So we have to learn them, we have to relearn them, we have to work on them. And when you do, all I can say is your life just has so much more joy. There is no way without first reading that book, then going and doing therapy and then doing the men's group and then you know more therapy and then reading more books and then practising, you know, failing. Practicing again, making mistakes, doing things well and going, ah, okay, this works for me. And then doing things wrong, going, hey, this doesn't. And all the while taking responsibility and knowing it's on me, this is my journey. I can't blame anybody else for my journey. You know, if I get injured, if I get sick, if I get ill, it's, it's all on me, it's on me how I react to that. And once we grasp that, and once we realize that there's this vast, Amount of information and tools out there to help us, we can all leave a much more purposeful, productive, joyous, fulfilling life. That's my aim. I am here. My name is Lee Povey. I am here to be there with you, to help you through this journey, to support you through this journey, to give you loving, kind, informative feedback when you're ready for it, to help you with the skill sets to give you different tool sets so that when you come to these situations, you can choose to behave in a different way instead of walking away from a situation and going, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I behave like that? You can walk away from a situation and either not even notice that it happened because you dealt with it so swiftly and skillfully or walk away and go, "Ah." That's how I wanted to deal with it. I'm really pleased with how I was able to stay present. I didn't get triggered. I could stay present, I could stay cognitant, and I could think clearly and carefully about how I wanted to walk my way through that situation, whatever the challenge that might be presented to you. One last thing I wanna leave you with is, and this is part of my journey, is how the obstacles that we face and this is another book that i loved the obstacle is the way by ryan halliday how the obstacles that we face can either be positive or negative we can look at that obstacle and we can say it's ruined my life you know i got cancer and my life is is over or or you know i lost my job you know what am i going to do my life is over and and you know as a stoic as somebody that that looks at these obstacles and, and looks at, hey, what is my lesson? What can I learn here? I want to share a personal story. So in 2010, I was racing my bike and I crashed. Uh, I was in a race with a, with a guy that I'd raced a few times and they always seemed for some reason with this guy to be you know a little bit kind of heated. There seemed to be this extra little bit of rivalry there. And, and this time it really came to a head. We bumped into each other I thought for one second, oh, we got away with it, and then suddenly we're on the floor. Uh, And it was a bad crash. I dislocated my shoulder in the crash and then ended up breaking numerous bones in my shoulder. I couldn't use my arm. Um, I I went back home, had to drive back home that night, four hour drive, that's pretty grim. I went back home, went and saw the doctor the next day, uh, and uh, I had x-rays, I had CT scans, had uh, MRIs, and the doctor's like, hey, you've really messed your shoulder up. Now this was just 10 days before the Masters National Championships. I was a defending champion. I'd just set a PR in qualifying for the race the day before I crashed. I was in probably the best shape of my life. And now suddenly I can't compete. And I I can't even use my arm. And it took me probably seven or eight months and two operations before I kinda got back to normal and I could use my arm properly again. And that one event changed everything for me. It was the first time in my life I truly realized fear and how afraid I was. I've never been so afraid as I was going to the hospital from a first operation. I'd never really been in hospital before. I had kind of scrapes and cuts and you know had things stitched up, but they'd all been by my local doctor. I'd never actually properly been in a hospital. So there I was in this hospital, absolutely petrified, typical man, didn't tell anyone didn't tell anyone at all my girlfriend at the time was on holiday my mum was on holiday you know i didn't have that female support that i usually heavily lent on and my male friends just didn't even realize because they're so used to me kind of just being okay because i didn't share my vulnerability and what came of this was it this act this violent act you know, made me realize how vulnerable I was and how I did need help and how it was important for me to be seen and how it was okay for me to be afraid and for me to share that with other people, especially other men being a man. and. After this, I fairly quickly split up with that partner as I realized they, they couldn't cope with my vulnerability. The relationship worked when I was the one who was kind of you know, okay and everything was okay and they were the vulnerable one. Uh, and now there was this dynamic change. They really didn't like it and, and I, I didn't like it. That relationship didn't work. And I realized that I needed to change so many of my relationships because my relationships were based off of this me being okay position, which really was a position of like me being a little bit above everybody looking down and going, hey, I'm better than you than I'm okay. And I, and I preferred to be with people when they were more vulnerable and I wasn't really showing them me. And, and I had some great discussions with my friends and, and some, you know, I let go. I realized these friendships weren't working and others, our friendships have improved dramatically from me sharing Hey, I need to be vulnerable. This is on me. I need to own that I didn't share that with you. And then I had a second operation six months later, and I had a bunch of friends come to the hospital with me. Was the first time nobody came with me. I was all by myself. And this time, you know, I allowed myself to share that I was vulnerable, and my friends were so supportive. And uh, you know, they realised that, and 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 they owned that they hadn't even seen that in me before. And if I hadn't have had that crash. I don't think I would have left that relationship like I did. I wouldn't have realized how important it was for me to, to be able to get in touch with my vulnerability and to, to, to show who I really was in the world. And that wouldn't have led to me then being able to be strong enough to realize that you know, I needed to move to a different country, to move in here, to meet my lovely wife, and then creating the life and the business that we have here. So it's amazing from that one thing that at the time was, you know, so upsetting to me to crash, to injure myself, to not be able to race, to not be able to defend my championships, to then going on and winning many more championships uh, and actually getting even faster, you know, rehabbing, getting faster, learning new ways of training, being more open to trying different ways of training. And then uh, uh, ended up in a whole other country, which I moved to by myself because I now knew that I could cope with the adversity. So please, you know, my my want from from this story for you is, is see adversity as the gift that it can be. And there's always something to learn in that adversity and often about ourselves and how strong we are and what we can really cope with. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you like what we do, please engage with us at Empower Therapy and Coaching on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Or check out our website, empowertherapyandcoaching.com please tell us what topics you'd like us to cover, who you would like to see us interview, and any suggestions you have for the show. To work with us, email info at empowertherapyandcoaching.com. We look forward to hearing from you.